Welcome to the Indisposable Podcast, produced by Upstream. I'm your host, Brooking Gatewood. And I'm your co-host, Matt Prindeville. Thanks for joining for another episode celebrating solutions to plastic pollution. Welcome back to another episode of the Indisposable Podcast. And today, in celebration of World Oceans Day, we are talking with Cassia Patel, Director of Programs at Oceanic Global. By way of history, World Oceans Day started as an idea at the 1992 Earth Summit in Rio. And in 2009, the UN General Assembly officially designated June 8th as World Oceans Day. The effort has engaged millions of people and thousands of organizations around the world in actions and awareness campaigns, including those of us in the upstream community, as well as Cassia's team at Oceanic Global. Cassia is an active member of the National Reuse Network and has worked on all sorts of collaborative campaign efforts with us and other partners around the world to address plastic pollution and other ocean-related issues. And World Oceans Day has become a powerful driver of collective action that we will learn more about in today's discussion. So without much further ado, Cassia, welcome and thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Brooking. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here. So before we talk about World Oceans Day, I as you probably know, like to ask my guests, what got you into this line of work? So tell us a little bit of your personal backstory. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, I can speak to to oceans and, and perhaps more broadly as well as the plastic and reuse. And my background, I actually grew up in Hong Kong on an island surrounded by the ocean with plastic pollution very visible, as well as other stressors to to our ocean and uh, shared blue planet. So that really sparked my environmental journey at quite a young age and connected connection to the ocean. From that point, I studied biology and environmental engineering in school. And so it was really coming from more of an academic perspective. And I just felt that we had a deep understanding of the issue as well as solutions. And so I, I was really eager to see how, how to break out of that academic, academia world to, to really engage with business leaders, with policymakers, with people and communities to, to actually see real change take place. And that's why I was drawn to Oceanic Global uh, and the focus on behavior change, as well as engaging those, those different stakeholders, um, as, as many in our movement and coalitions are, are a part of as well. So it was really inspiring to, to kind of jump from just the theory and feeling a bit overwhelmed by, by the issue to actually day-to-day being a part of the solution. So that was my that was my avenue point. And Oceanic Global, we were based here in New York, but we work really globally. Uh, and we are really focused on behavior change at the grassroots level, you know, inspiring. Um, we have volunteer chapters around the world, really inspiring local leadership in, in different areas and, and offering support and mentorship for projects that our our hubs come to us with. Um, We also do work directly with businesses. So guiding businesses to make more responsible choices, essentially through sustainability consulting, through our blue standard um, to help really set that standard and and support in that guidance. Uh, And then we do also work with with folks like you all to to support coalition efforts, um, driving policy change that we, we need to kind of tie all those other efforts together as well. That's awesome. I love hearing that backstory bit and relate with it personally, as I also left academia to do the applied work. And this is such a fun movement for that because they're really using very smart strategy and being pretty effective and it's cool to be part of it. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm curious to talk a little bit more on that note about um, kind of your, I guess your mission at Oceanic Global. Um, I know, you know, I was looking on your website and 
part of what you're trying to do is help people understand why oceans matter for all of us, not just those of us lucky enough to live by a beach. So can you tell us a little bit more about some of the science of um, how oceans affect our everyday lives? Yeah, 100%. And I know at Oceanic, we, we love to say, too, that we are all intrinsically oceanic. We all have come from the ocean. Um, we live on an ocean planet. 70% of our ocean of our planet is covered by the sea. Um, every second breath we take is coming from the ocean as well. And so even if we are in landlocked areas, we are intrinsically dependent on a healthy ocean to to support our current ways of life. And um, and also the actions that we we take wherever we are, do impact the ocean. The ocean is that final sink, especially for plastic and litter. Anything that's abandoned does end up in our waterways and ultimately ends up ends up out in the ocean. And um, the same can be said, too, for, for chemical pollution, for agricultural runoff, for, for any other form of pollutant or um, misproper use of of resources and, and land use as well. So, so the negative impacts are there, but but so are the positive ones. Our reliance on uh, on a healthy ocean through oxygen that I mentioned, but also our ocean really serves as our, our central heating and cooling system, essentially. The currents that circumnavigate the globe are pumping hot and cold water uh, around the globe that really regulate our temperature. And so we're actually seeing those conveyor belts slow down as glaciers are melting. And that is having significant impacts on our climate and weather systems as hot places get hotter and cold places get colder. And I think we've all we all have our own climate stories that we can relate to and experience as droughts or floods or fires are impacting our own communities and in large part that's due to an imbalance with our broader system at which the ocean is is at the heart. So yeah, I remember learning about that conveyor belt thing when I was in college and yeah. it blew my mind. I, I think a lot of people aren't aware of that and it's a very, definitely a very scary part of what's going on with climate change. Yeah, it's sort of a funny anecdote with that. The one one example is the Gulf Stream that comes from the Caribbean up to the UK, and that's why the UK is, is very unfamiliar with snow. I remember, you know, if, if they get if London gets like two inches of snow, the airport shuts down because they're just really not used to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why they're at a higher latitude than we are. I'm sitting here in New York, but their weather's a lot more mild. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So tell us talk about World Oceans Day. I know that the theme is different every year and um, that there's all sorts of different collaborative actions that get coordinated around the event. So maybe tell us a little bit about some of the key ones in the past that might relate to the issues of reuse and plastic pollution and what's going on this year. Yeah, absolutely. And I realized I got so carried away in, in talking about our, our reliance on the ocean. I, I neglected to share a bit more about Oceanic Global's mission, but I think that really relates to the theme of World Oceans Day, which is really to engage new audiences and, and be a welcoming invitation into the ocean conservation movement. And that's ultimately how World Oceans Day was designed. It's um, as, as, as you noted, the first World Oceans Day designated by the UN General Assembly took place in 2009. And so every year since then, uh, there's been this official day of celebration, events, gathering um, that are really quite inclusive. So it's very different from from a typical UN event where it, it's not countries and companies making uh, statements and and commitments. It's really focused on engaging the general public, on engaging both scientists and citizens, on artists. And, and this year, actually, we'll be having chefs and architects speak as, alongside poets. And so really highlighting how we are all a part of this movement and, and all have our gifts to contribute as well. So, so really, um, that, that's the, the intention of World Oceans Day. And we're just seeing that community grow even stronger year by year with um, the events and activations that, that partners put on um, 
we were expanding from World Oceans Day to World Oceans Week and Month. And actually, this is the decade, the UN decade of ocean science, too. So just continuing to expand that focus. Um, but every year, there is a different theme, as you noted. So this year, the theme is actually revitalization, collective action for the ocean, focusing both on how can we revitalize ocean health, but also how do we revitalize the ways that we approach ocean conservation? And I think that can really relate to all forms of of organizing and, and action. Uh, and then the collective action piece, just highlighting how we all do have a role to play and collaboration is key. And I think um, at Upstream, you all have really role modeled building coalitions that are inclusive and uh, and really engaging it there as well. And so just noting the need for cross-disciplinary action and, and coalition building in all of this work. Um, but in past years, actually in just pulling up to make sure I share the correct year. Uh, but in 2018, uh, the theme was for was it clean our ocean? And so the 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 whole event actually was really focused on marine marine pollution, um, with plastic pollution being a major part of that, of course. And so um, there is a history of World Oceans Day focusing on on that topic. Um, and at almost every year, we have a speaker that really brings that to life. Last year, we actually, the theme was life and livelihoods, really highlighting also the human dimension of our relationship with the ocean socioeconomically as well. Uh, and so we had speakers from South India, waste pickers, really sharing with us that the coastal waste management landscape and how communities are coming up with their own resilient strategies and, and ways to, to approach the issue there too. I know that we speak a lot with uh, waste pickers in this movement on, on various efforts too. So, um, so that may be relevant. And then this year we do have a speaker and um, her name is Lisa Blair, who will be presenting alongside um, the uh, Martin Cramp from the ocean ops team. And so Lisa Blair is a, is a world champion sailor. She actually just recently set a record for solo circumnavigating Antarctica. Wow. And what's really amazing is these unexpected partnerships. So she collaborates with global networks of scientists to collect data while she's out in these very remote places that it's too expensive to send uh, research vessels. And so she's able to do microplastic sampling in addition to other um, research collection that, and, and the tools and instruments that they've, they've kitted her out with. Um, but my pro microplastic sampling is a big part of that work too. And so, and I know that's not unique to just sailors. I know that surfers and rowers and others are, are quite involved with this work too. So it's also just acknowledging um, the many different avenues uh, for, for which to engage with this work. Awesome. And how can our listeners get involved or follow along with what's happening this year? Yes. Yeah. The official website is unworldoceansday.org. And the event is actually on Wednesday, June 8th. Um, so just around the corner or, or perhaps post, depending on when you when you listen to this podcast. But the event will be live actually at the UN headquarters this year. We'll also be broadcasting live too. And the recording stays available beyond. You can actually go back and look at the recordings from past years on the website as well. So I definitely recommend everybody checking out the program. It's a shorter program this year, only three and a half hours. So you can you can kind of jump in um, at the segments you, you think are most interesting there too, or, or check out past years. And there's also ways for people to, to, to get involved. It's a very welcoming and inclusive movement, as I mentioned. So you'll see on the calendar tab, um, 
events that our community has posted from around the world, events that might be near you if you want to check out more localized events, cleanups or conversations, and um, also opportunities to post your own events. If you have any ocean-related events, this is a year-round calendar and platform that you can post them on. I know our work in plastic and reuse is so linked to the ocean, as we're just noting here, too. So an open invitation to, to share those events on that platform. And likewise, there's also an education tab where you can share videos and resources. Um, we have a youth art gallery on there. We have different educational videos popping up all the time. There's actually a wonderful plastic pollution series that was shared on that platform too. And again, this is open for anybody to submit their, their resources or videos. And those pollution, those posters, which are quite creative about plastic pollution in the ocean, have actually been adopted and printed as signs on the boardwalk in Eilat, Israel, um, to, to support the municipality's ban on single-use plastics and to really bring the issue to life. And so I think these unexpected um, outcomes of some of this work are really beautiful as well. Awesome. And uh, of course, we'll put the link that you just mentioned in our show notes. So listeners who are in their car or wherever can uh, find that later and follow along. Um, amazing. So I want to also ask before we close, um, I know that a good portion of the work at Oceanic Global, as we've talked about a little bit, connects with the work on building your circular economy, reuse, plastic pollution, addressing that particular issue and, and supporting solutions. So do you want to tell us a little bit more about some of the active projects that you're involved in that our audience might be interested to hear about? Yeah, absolutely. And so I know I briefly mentioned our, our blue standard in the intro here, but to share just a bit more and this link can also go in the show notes. Um, it's bluestandard.com uh, to, to learn more. But um, we essentially have created a, and we relaunched this program in October as the blue standard. So, so I can check that out. Um, but we, we really recreated a sustainability verification system. So this is a way to recognize businesses. And we work primarily with hospitality businesses, so restaurants and hotels. I know restaurants are a large focus for many in our networking community, as well as with events, with sports venues and events. Um, we work with musicians on tours and concerts and festivals, uh, as well as with office spaces. And most recently, starting to work, too, with consumer goods. Um, so we're actually narrowing in on packaging and product design. But essentially, the, the verification recognizes um, steps businesses are taking to eliminate single-use plastics in particular, as well as waste management, um, responsible waste management practices being put in place. Um, and we really do focus on reusable solutions as, as best practice in that hierarchy to, to angle um, the businesses that we work with towards. And um, so we do have a recognition system to honor what, what businesses have achieved. And often that's why they do reach out. But through this program, we're able to offer support and really hold businesses hand through this process, because what we've seen is many businesses do want to do the right thing. They just often don't know how or where to start or feel that it's too expensive or complicated or requires extra training. And so we actually do support even with employee training um, and, uh, and and can collaborate as well with consultants or organizations doing this work around the world already. So we have a, a network of consultants um, that we've aligned with globally and in 26 different countries at the moment to, to, to engage with the businesses in their communities um, in ways that make sense too. So the program is quite modular um, for businesses to, to take on actions that feel relevant to, to their operations, but also where they are. So, um, and the consultant training is free for anyone who really wants to, to kind of dip a toe in that sustainability professional world. We work also a lot with youth and with university students um, and others. So that that's a free resource that's available for anyone who, who would like to kind of come on board in that way. Um, but a lot of the work that we do with businesses can then feed into and support 
these larger policy efforts that that we all work on together through coalition um, by showing what businesses have accomplished, what they're able to do or what they're asking for or needing in support. So I know there's been a a large focus on the skip the stuff um, bills or or cut out cutlery or useless utensils, kind of depending on how you're accessing. Um, But a lot of that will require training for for businesses and for restaurant owners and um, sorry, restaurant staff and teams to be able to properly read receipts and get into those nitty gritty details on, on how that will actually be successful. So spotlighting businesses who have done that successfully and then also supporting um, with, with that ongoing work uh, with the businesses that we work with too and, and beyond as mentioned through through our consultant network. So um, and with all of you who are doing similar work. So yeah, I think that's something that I wanted to to call out and just to share the policy connection. And then just to note, we've actually been really expanding that program to work on at the destination level and often at the island-wide level, just given our focus on oceans and, and engaging with coastal communities. So actually working to support island nations or island communities that have banned single-use plastics and to support the hospitality and tourism sector in aligning with that ban. And we're seeing more and more uh, of these bans be put into place, but very few are are truly enforced. And in all cases, businesses do need education, engagement, support to actually be able to, to achieve, um, to achieve those requirements. And so, um, so that's a lot of the work that we do. We've, we've had a few successful pilot programs that are now continuing in Barbados, where in 2019, a ban on single use plastics was, was implemented. Um, And uh, we've also been doing work in the Aeolian Islands where there have been island-wide bans in the islands of Lipari and Panarea and just working with local consultants there who actually were going door-to-door during COVID to work with these restaurants and bars that were dedicated and passionate um, to this issue. And, and also a lot of this work uncovers the need for systemic um, infrastructure support, particularly at the waste management level to, to achieve any of these solutions, if it's waste management or also if it's reuse. And so, you know, what what's lacking and what needs to be put in place um, in these areas that, especially in coastal regions where you know that plastic being used is ending up directly in marine ecosystems, is directly impacting health of, of the ocean, but also of ourselves and our communities too, by, by default. So, um, that was a little bit of a ramble, but just wanted to share that note. And um, yeah, excited to collaborate if anyone has community-wide projects that they're 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 working on. Yeah, um, not a ramble at all. All really good information. And I was wondering when you're talking about the Blue Standards Program, it, is it certification? Is there like a model that you would say that's already out there that it's kind of same idea but a different? You know, looking at plastic pollution as opposed to I don't know FSC or LEED or anything like that. Yeah, absolutely. I would say it's most similar to certifications like building rating systems. So LEED or WELL, um, for those that are familiar, really looking at LEED, really looking at the energy and design um, uh, of of a building and and sustainability elements of construction and design. And WELL, really looking at human health and well-being in design. So light, air quality, nourishment um, as well. And then sustainability, uh, tourism certifications. EarthCheck actually are are one of our close partners. Um, The CEO is actually on our board of advisors for, for the program. And which looks at multiple facets of operations, but also much more from the infrastructure level. So they're looking at wastewater infrastructure, drinking water, energy, 
Uh, and, and again, more from that construction piece. And so we often share that our program complements nicely because once the building is built and that intention has already gone in to continue that intention um, by focusing on the operations of what are you filling the building with? So not filling this beautifully designed, sustainable building with poison and toxins, which plastic are, um, mm-hmm. but also uh, cleaning products and um, responsible food procurement as well for us, particularly responsible seafood procurement. So really thinking about what does the day to day look like and how is that intention? continuing after after the point of, of construction. Amazing. You guys are doing great work out there. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. So again, for our listeners who want to find out more and get involved in all these amazing pieces of work that Oceanic Global is doing, we'll have the Blue Standard Program link in the show notes as well as the World Ocean Day link. Definitely check it out. There's all sorts of sharing on social that you can do from home if you want to help uh, spread awareness about some of the things you learned in the conversation today. And Cassia, thank you so much for your time and all the beautiful work you are involved in to help build a better future for us all. Thank you, Brooking. Yeah, and thank you all for, for tuning in. Excited to stay in touch and keep collaborating. Always so inspired by the groups and communities that Upstream is bringing together. Really, our, the national reuse networks and the local networks have just been so supportive, especially during this isolated moment of COVID. So really grateful to be a part of this community and um, in community with you all. Yeah. And if any of you live in New York City on that note, speaking of isolation and the chance to not be isolated, there are going to be some live events for World Oceans Day in the UN buildings in New York, right? Yes, exactly. So we are going to be at the UN headquarters and registration is open so we can follow up with with anybody interested there. And also there will be events throughout the week. Um, There will be a a cleanup that WCS and the New York Aquarium and other partners are hosting at Coney Island on Saturday, June 11th in the morning with yoga and conversation. That's just really free and open to the public um, and as well as a few other events. But you'll see those all on the UN World Oceans Day website. But yeah, check it out, get involved, share your resources and events. Events. You know, it's really exciting to see. And as I mentioned, it's a year-round program uh, platform too. So whatever you've got that's ocean-related, throw it on there. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much, Cassia. Thank you. And that's our show. If you like what you're hearing, help spread the word. Subscribe to the Indisposable Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Add a review. Talk us up. Nobody spreads a message like you. The Indisposable Podcast is brought to you by Upstream sparking innovative solutions to plastic pollution, envisioning a world without it, and empowering businesses, communities, and individuals to imagine and co-create this future with us. You can find resources mentioned on today's episode as well as learn more about Upstream's work at www.upstreamsolutions.org. Follow us on social and join the movement. There's a better way than throwaway.